here. We're gonna hope this works. We each got our own microphone this We're time. Brand new and ready to go. We're fancy now. Yeah. Kind of. As fancy as you can be on GarageBand. I really like the so. way that these microphone um, protectors. What do you the, call these? The sleeves? Uh, the foamy things. The foamy things. They <laughs> smell very nice. They have a name. Uh, is it, is it like a wind, not a windbreaker, oh, <laughs> wind, not a wind talker. That's not right at all. Um, I don't know what these are called. Actually, I'm sure we could ask people, and I'm sure people will let us know. But as of right now, I have no idea. Well, they smell nice. That's just what I'm getting at. I haven't smelled mine yet. Oh yeah, those are nice. It's yeah. new. It's, it's a, a fresh new smell. It's yeah. a fresh smell. It's like new car smell, but <laughs> new microphone smell. Just as satisfying. <laughs> Less expensive. <laughs> Anyways, um, we're here to discuss Scream Two. I know we said we were gonna the episode was gonna focus on Scream One, the original, but having seen that one and I think that's the one everyone remembers. Yes. I didn't really remember a lot of two, so I really wanted to watch two. Mm-hmm. And um, I was not disappointed. So one of the few that has a really great sequel that I think lives up to the first. I think so, because I feel like they just took everything that was great about one and kind of expanded on it, Mm -hmm. which is what I mean. The movie is obviously so meta. So in the movie, they talk about that, about how sequels are bigger and better and gorier. So I liked it a lot. Um, I think Randy is great. You've got him there, and he gives us all of the rules that we expect of him. Mm-hmm. But I do want to mention that he's basically the first Barb. If you watch Stranger Things, you know, Justice for Barb, and then there's Justice for Bob. And now I would like to say Justice for Randy. Justice for Randy. He really deserved better. He really did. I forgot that he died. Every time someone died, I was expecting them to come back to life mm-hmm. randomly, and yeah. it ended up being Dewey. And it's always I mean, Dewey. <laughs> Dewey was, uh, yeah, he's a problem to me, but we'll get to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get started on that, so for our movie episodes, one of us will bake or create something on theme with mm-hmm. whatever movie that we're watching. And so I decided, excuse me, my allergies are acting up, but I decided that I didn't want to bake anything or do anything like super normal because that's just me. So... <laughs> So I decided um, that I wanted to make ghost face jelly candy, like gummy bears. Mm -hmm. Um, So this was a whole thing because I forgot that I had said I was going to do this (laughs) until yesterday. (laughs) So I had to go and get all of the stuff. And then I finally get home at nine o'clock at night and I realized that I forgot one of the ingredients at the stores. Yes. Um, But one of my roommates actually saved me. Because he was at Target when I was texting him and my other roommate about mm-hmm. what they have in our cabinets. <laughs> and I was, it's so basically it's um, corn syrup. That's what I needed. And I was really ready to use like maple syrup <laughs> as a replacement. Is that the same? I don't think so, but I was going to do it. <laughs> you were going to try. You were I willing was, to try. I was desperate and it was cold and I didn't want to go out again. I don't blame you. Yeah. So... Um, so what we have, and you can see all the pictures on our Instagram, the Spooky Bitches Podcast. Um, <laughs> that's our handle. <laughs> so we basically have a strawberry flavored ghost face ju- gummy face 
Gummy bear? Candy? Gummy, 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 gummy mask? Gummy ghost face. Gum- Ooh, I like gummy that. Gummy ghost, ghost face. face. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have that in a cup of jello that is cherry flavored because blood. Because blood. Because blood. Because obviously. <laughs> so um, I wasn't thinking when I bought the jello flavor mm-hmm. because the jello flavor is cherry, mm-hmm. but then the gummy flavor is strawberry. It's just very fruity. It's a fruity dessert. Also, for your next Halloween parties, 11 months in advance alcoholic oh ooh, that's interesting yeah yeah we'll be doing i just that. associate jello with jello <laughs> shots always i mean what else is it good for it, precisely essentially precisely <laughs> that's what it is it's a mask for vodka we just took away jello's innocence <laughs> was it okay well this is a whole nother topic jello is hospital food unless you put <laughs> unless you put something fun in it i know people like that vodka or like for fun or mask why Without, I, I guess I the texture is fun Could i actually fun. hate the texture of jello interesting yeah my mom bought me a ton of jello when i got my teeth pulled when you had the bones removed from when your I face when i had yes. the bones ripped from my face yes. um she bought me a lot of jello and i love her a lot so i didn't i didn't tell her that i didn't want it did she buy you lime jello no god no. that would be a crime against humanity when it comes to anything like jello or just gel candy based i only eat the red ones Fair. Because that's the only good flavor. That's fair. Yeah, that's very yeah. fair. Uh, so, Brittany, um, I would like you to try it. <laughs> and we're going to record this because I just wanted a video of the f- your face Can when I you eat it for the Is first time. Is there Tupperware ice mark? That was you not know, satisfying. It was as sound <laughs> as I thought it was going to be. Someone out there was really Someone into that, Brittany. was very excited. <laughs> All right, we're recording. Okay. Is that the one you're going to? Sure. You know, that's a good one. That's a good one. I have to say that face shape is solid. Yeah. yeah. So what you can't see, but you can see on our uh, Instagram, is that D got a uh, a an edible marker to draw his little, <laughs> little eyeballs on. It very much looks like the painting of uh, that was inspired it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I feel like I feel pressure to eat this like a Jello shot, even though I know it's not. Well, try try the gummy first, like this guy. Yeah, try that guy first. I feel like I can use him as like a little scooper. Ooh, no, I can't. No, I'm Never sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, okay. Mm-hmm. What it? What is? What is the flavor? It's very subtle, strawberry. It's subtle. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Because I I accidentally poured a lot in there. <laughs> Thank you so much. Good job. Good job. And it's like themed enough. And again, can make it alcoholic. Great for yes, party. we can and we will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good job. I'm Jill. very proud good of myself. Job. I was really worried because it was very much one of those instances instances where I went to pour in like the strawberry flavor Mm -hmm. and i thought just a couple drops and like half the bottle just shot out well so Mm -hmm. very proud of myself yay good job d yeah i would say success it's it's a mess i mean the presentation is not great Mm -hmm. but i i feel like the flavor made up for it see but if you like were to put all of the messiness of the jello into or just do the jello into a bowl with vodka and then put the ghost face on top and then people just scoop them out but are like with the ghost face yes like with a ladle but i thought that like they make your own jello shot the ghost face was too flimsy to be used as a scooper no but you have a ladle 
Oh, yes. okay. Yes. I see what you're yeah. saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Please. Okay, I want to try a ghost face. Go for it. Go for it. Okay, so um, Ghostface is my favorite cinematic killer. Why is Ghostface your favorite cinematic killer? I've always wondered. I think it's just because of how stupid he is. <laughs> well, they. They. Because it's multiple people and multiple genders. Right. But I like the element of him being a... Oh, no. I don't like it. You don't like the, you don't like I the don't strawberry? I don't like my jelly. <laughs> No. Dee also doesn't like Jello, even though she made a Jello snack. It was for aesthetics. It is. It's a good aesthetic. It pulls it off. Okay, I think you were lying to me, Brittany. These don't taste good. Do you like it? It tastes like strawberry subtly. All right. I think the All texture right. is good on the ghost face. You know that's what I hate. Okay, then you, <laughs> this is just not made for you. But I'm telling you, alcohol. I mean, after I take a few shots, then I'll eat all of yeah, these. Yeah, it's That'll, true. Okay. It's true. But anyways, back to... <laughs> but I like the fact that he's attainably able to be taken down, you know? The fact that you can just, like, fist fight him. And he... I like the fact that he's not supernatural. He's very human. He's a very human killer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's always, like, a solid motivation mm-hmm. behind Ghostface. He's mm-hmm. not just one of those mindless serial killers. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that about him. Yeah. Yeah. But it is my favorite thing to watch him get his ass kicked. It's the best. It's truly the best. And I like the whodunit element. Like, it's it's very Scooby-Doo, which I've heard people use for both, like, a positive and a negative, is that it's a little bit Scooby-Doo-ish with, you know, who is it? Who's the person behind the mask? I get that. Totally but I, get that. I think it works. But it's, you know, I love Scooby-Doo, so <laughs> I'm fine with it. I, what I liked about this one is that I feel like they really upped the suspense for me because yeah, in the first one, I don't find myself, like, jumping or anything mm-hmm. like that. And in, in this one, there were. Yeah. Like, there were a few times where I didn't see something coming. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that about a movie because it's not so predictable. Yeah. So I appreciated that. Yeah. I think that they definitely amped up the suspense because the first one is very fast-paced. Yeah. I mean, it takes place over the course of a few days, I think. When you look at it in reality, and it is very, like, one after the other. Every scene kind of has a ghost face coming after someone. Mm-hmm. But I think this one, there are instances where it just really builds the suspense. Like, we talked about the whole um, the whole situation with um, Cece when they have Ghostface, and you know that it's a girl alone at night in the sorority house that Ghostface is going to come. You mm-hmm. just know that because you know the, you know the, the way that this guy works, but... The way that they led up to everything and the added suspense and the false alarms and then also just the way that um, we talked about the use of music and how they didn't use music so much in that scene really added to it. Whereas in the first one, I think they relied on music a lot and it worked really well, but I like the fact that they changed up for this one and they, the fact that it was so silent. And I imagine watching that in the theater would make it even more impactful of it just being a room of silence is scarier i think what i like about it too is that cc wasn't like yeah she was the girl alone at night but she was also not a very stereotypical Mm -hmm. like horror archetype she was just the girl alone and i think it just kind of shows where he was at as far as who he wanted to kill like who his victims were gonna be Mm -hmm. yeah so i appreciate that and then just going back to the soundtrack for this film um i think we were talking about it it's not as iconic yeah 90s as the first one Mm -hmm. was and i feel like they relied a lot less on music in general for this one Mm -hmm. yeah i agree i agree although um 
the rendition of I Think I Love You. You know, that cringeworthy scene. So <laughs> I think you put it best earlier when it's like you either have the 10 things I hate about you marching band mm-hmm. se- scene mm-hmm. or you have this one and one of them does it correctly and it's not it's not scream yep it's not so. scream it's so cringeworthy it's so cringeworthy it's really weird um but and then he gives sydney his letters which is not good in sorority and I, is that a line. thing i have no idea so when i got to college at a university level level i transferred so i was already 21 when i transferred and i started pledging and then that quickly ended because i didn't like being yelled at and told what to do oh they yell we're, we're not going to get into that, but <laughs> I never you know, knew that you pledged. I started to, and then I was like, nah, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't for me. Time. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 But I mean, I don't know. I think, I think that's one thing that I liked about this one too, is that it just went, we went from high school stereotypes to college stereotypes mm-hmm. and university stereotypes yeah. and they did them very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked that. And I think having finally gone through college and seen these stereotypes, they're very real. Yeah. So I appreciated that in this movie more. Mm-hmm. Whereas the whole high school experience that Sydney had was not at all like my high school experience. Mm-hmm. So being able to relate a little more in that sense actually makes me like this film more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the difference between the kind of the time and place of the first one is that it was a horror movie that happened to have people in high school. Like, the fact that they were in high school wasn't that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had that as a location, but really it was kind of not realistic to what they were going through. Whereas this one, I feel like, is kind of a college horror movie. Yeah. The fact that they are in college and kind of the social aspects of it and what they're, you know, talking about is way more intertwined with the horror elements as opposed to the first one. It's just kind of a happenstance thing. I think that the first one, um, how they related it more towards high, the high school experience was um, the pressure to have sex. Yeah. I think yeah. that was probably the biggest one. Mm-hmm. But I also think that when you compare and contrast, it, Sydney's character went from being controlled by everyone in high school to trying to be controlled by every No, her not trying to be controlled, but people trying to control her in a new setting. Yeah. So I, I think that was very interesting in Sydney's case and how she kind of has to work through that and take her life back mm-hmm. even from like her friends again yeah yeah do we want to circle back to the to the to the top to the big opening oh Jada Jada Pinkett ah, Smith Jada. late 90s Jada Pinkett Smith iconic I'm gonna call her Jada you know who I'm talking about yeah, you but there's only one yes but so what do we think about this one compared to the iconic Drew Barrymore opening I think they're both equally as iconic because this was the only I haven't seen this movie in a very long time, mm-hmm. and that was the only scene I remembered. And we, we were talking about us, about this. Like, First of all, no studio is going to send a ton of full-blown costumes yeah. to a screening. Yeah, But even happen. if they did, that wouldn't happen today as far as the masks. At, oh, yeah, definitely not. Yeah. The masks and the weapons and all of that stuff would be way too much of a, of a liability. Yeah. But what I like is that sh- at first she seems like she's the one who's going to be the the one to reveal all the rules in the movie. Yeah. And she kind of goes on that tangent about black people and horror. Mm-hmm. And she's not wrong. But um, I just appreciate everything about Jada. Yeah. So. Well, I love the way that it kicks off of 
them being at the movies because the whole first one of course is a commentary on the movies and it's very meta and so taking them directly into the movie and the adaptation of the, what we just watched in the first one has always uh, been a fun fun element that I think that they introduce into the franchise because it is it is letting them poke fun at themselves directly in a way that isn't as cliche as you know if they went full-on scary movie on themselves yeah um so it's it's kind of ironic that like scary movie is based off of this because they kind of did it to themselves first so (laughs) um but I like the fact that they that they kick that off and I mean in terms of like representation in the first one it's very very limited it's a very white movie it's a very white movie yeah (laughs) it takes place in a white area it's you know in a white part of California Mm -hmm. um and so I think kicking it off with that kind of criticism which I'm I don't know I could have done research but I'm pretty you know I'm sure that there was criticism of of uh you know how white that movie was and Mm -hmm. the fact that I mean there's always been that criticism of how white horror is in general and the way that they use people of color as kind of the the characters who get killed off first so I think having them directly call it out is smart and they did they did something interesting with that I think what I like, too, is that... So when we say this movie is diverse, they basically just sprinkled in a few black characters, mm-hmm. which is great, and I think for the time was... 97. Yeah, it was yeah. good for diversity. Uh, it's still not enough, Absolutely obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I really appreciate is how Joel, our new cameraman, mm-hmm. um, he's black, and he <laughs> defeats the stereotype of that, you know every black character in a horror movie dies essentially mm-hmm. yep and he just bounces yep. he leaves he's done <laughs> and he survives so he breaks the stereotype so mm-hmm. i really like that yep he's As- the only smart character who's like you know what i'm good i'm gonna leave he's like i'm bye gail this is not good i'm not getting paid enough for this mm-hmm. so i'm out and he's smart he doesn't take his own car or get a ride from anyone he calls a taxi mm-hmm. <laughs> someone who's completely unconnected yep, yep. yeah yeah so I really appreciated Joel, yeah, because he was dr- just dropping truth the entire yeah. movie. Yeah, he's like, "What do you? You mean your first cameraman was killed? <laughs> Why didn't you tell me? It's just business." No, I'm out of here. You're like, I don't think smart. so. He's, he's all, only smart. Not one. today. Yep, not today. Not today. today. <laughs> not today. But I think that you know they're they're trying and trying different things. Of course, like it's nowhere. This movie is now 22 years old, so yeah, very very different than what we see today, but. Even, like, those conversations, the fact that they bring them into not only their movie, but in the first five minutes of their movie, I think was a very smart thing to do. I think that Scream was a little bit ahead of its time Mm -hmm. because it acknowledged all these criticisms in a very kind of calm, meta way. Yeah. As opposed to kind of hitting it on the head. So I appreciate that about the series, too. Yeah. But, yeah, the whole opening is iconic. The fact that you have the remake of the iconic one from the first movie in the background of course dramatized and like making more fun of it and like more sexualized and all that kind of stuff well i was gonna say so with this one too and they weren't just kind of adding commentary to the horror genre they were doing it about like movies and cinema in general Mm -hmm. and sequels of course yeah but i like how his whole motive the killer's mickey's whole motive was that, oh, he's going to blame it on the movies mm-hmm. because I feel like this was a time when that's what people were doing. They were blaming violence and all this stuff yeah. on, on movies. And I like how it's 
nowadays it's evolved and now it's oh we're blaming everything on video games Mm -hmm. so i thought that that was very interesting yeah and you see that paired from the very beginning Mm -hmm. by starting it off at the movies literally and then bringing it out i mean i think that it's also not funny that's not the right (laughs) word but it's just ironic to watch it now and see that really nothing's changed like these criticisms are still there it's still like tied to that and you know in the end the motivations you have kind of the nature versus nurture being represented in our in our two killers because you have mickey who's saying you know well it's it's the movies and it's like you know what what i'm choosing to consume in the way that you know kind of our society has been giving me these things but then at the same time you have um billy's mom mrs loomis Mm -hmm. debbie salt who is just doing the good old-fashioned revenge motive and she scoffs at the idea that you know oh it's just the movies kind of thing yeah and she also you know takes the criticism um of the fact that people people blame the parents for for why their kids do horrible things and she's very against that obviously because she's a little crazy um (laughs) but i think it's interesting the fact that they bring up so many of those criticisms and how there's not really there's no surefire thing to blame or surefire reason to that these things happen or to kind of isolate those components that make people do horrible things um and just it i mean it brings all of that stuff up and it's everybody all of them are kind of doing these crazy horrible things for different reasons that Mm -hmm. aren't related to each other and i think it's it's interesting because the killer is once again another cisgender white man Mm -hmm. with some really stupid motive that totally makes sense in his mind Mm -hmm. and like i like how they kind of took the same character because mickey's a dick this entire Mm -hmm. this entire movie too Mm -hmm. so i think it's interesting that they um they kind of just rearranged and reformed Mickey in that sense mm-hmm. to be to be like Stu. Yeah, to yeah. be like Stu. Yeah. And there's as a opposed, couple. Yeah, as opposed to being directly like Billy, where he mm-hmm. was just crazy, and that's mm-hmm. who his mom is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's even I like the mirroring of lines that is very subtly done from the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, like because Mickey does the whole surprise Sydney just like Stu does in the in the first movie, and it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. And I think I wouldn't have picked up on that if I hadn't watched the first one so recently that it's like, oh, there's just like those subtle connections that they make um, to kind of link those up to show that it is and it is kind of piggybacking off of the first one, but not not a direct copy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that Sydney takes back more of the power and is more part of the fight in this one, because I feel like in the first one, a lot of it was, was Gail. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. In this one, it's nice that it's you see Sydney changing because it's more on her to defeat Miss Loomis. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that about yeah. the film, and I like that. Um, because okay, so I haven't seen what is it the next two? Yeah. How does her character compare from here in Scream Two to those ones? Um, I would say in the third movie, she kind of takes almost a more passive role i think that you they delve a lot into ptsd in the third one. Oh, and then by the fourth one it's kind of a re um almost a rebirth of the character um because it was also supposed to be kind of a rebirth of the franchise but obviously that didn't didn't happen um because mm-hmm. i think from what i know originally the fourth one was supposed to spawn another 
trilogy mm-hmm. um, with the kind of new cast that they brought in and all of that stuff, but um, it wasn't as commercially viable and not commercially successful the way that the first iteration was, so they ended up falling falling through with that. But I think this... I mean, I don't think that Sydney was ever necessarily a victim in the first one. Mm-hmm. I think that there were times where you saw her working through everything, um, and the only reason she looked a little bit like a victim is because... Billy was an asshole and was calling her a victim for yeah. the stuff that she was going through. Um, but I definitely think in this one, she's working through some of those issues that she's dealing with, like definitely with her and um, and her boyfriend. You see how this what she went through with Billy has really stuck with her mm-hmm. um, because you forget that like Billy was her boyfriend and Billy really screwed her over yeah. and like really fucked her up. So that kind of that staying with her I think is is good and interesting because it it is more realistic that way instead of her kind of she she's more smart but she's not fearless like the fact that she has caller ID is just one of those simple things that I was like yeah good that's a yeah. good that's a good thing that you did Sydney she's like I I'm going to get the technology and then it also kind of calls out I'm sure cuz people criticize like why didn't she just have caller ID even though was caller ID new in the 90s I don't mid 90s when did that happen? I feel like that's like a, a richer person kind of thing. Because it was definitely an advanced tech that she got on her phone in college. Yeah. Because, I don't know. I was very young in the 90s. <laughs> were you, when were you born, Brittany? Were you born in the 90s? You yeah. were 94. 95. See, damn. Damn. I'm older than them, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. I don't remember any like the technology from the 90s growing up i think i remember that my aunt had a really cool pager and i really wanted one Mm -hmm. and then i don't know those died off oh yeah and then cell phones became a thing Mm -hmm. and yeah and they looked like all the cell phones that were in the movie yeah Yeah. i like the um the way that they dealt with cell phones being a lot more prominent yeah yeah because they added in that whole element of like ghostface can call you wherever Mm-hmm. Ghostface can call you in the middle of the quad on at, on campus and terrorize you and then kill you. But I will say, it's still the same thing with this damn concept. Is that okay? A guy is talking to you on the phone, and he's in your house. Why do you not hear him? That's a good point. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I always so. I always figured that it was because the other person was actually calling. But is that every time? I don't know because that wasn't when Randy died. That wasn't it, right? It yeah, was... that wasn't it. But he was, but Ghostface was in the van. But if someone's in a car talking, you can hear muffled talking and stuff like that. Mm. That's a bad example. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> muffled gets closer to the muffled. microphone. <laughs> Randy was also yelling, though. Uh, that is true. And walking around. I don't think he got close enough to the van until, like, the van door opened for that to yeah. be a thing. Yeah. You know. And they tried. They addressed that whole thing by them trying to figure out who would be talking on the phone and looking at them. That is true. By going up to everybody and harassing them and not. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Speaking of Gil and Dewey. Oh, yes. Let's that talk is about one Gale of the and Dewey. It just doesn't seem natural to me. What, their pairing? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I guess you see it coming, but I think their whole love story is very forced almost. Yeah, it does seem... Um, I think because from the first one we're like have to question gail's intent yeah because in the first one she's just very much using him for intel and then i guess ends up liking him and then throughout this one they 
reconcile somehow. It just seems, like, very not organic. Yeah. Or just, like, you skip over some parts of, like, I don't know. There's, like, not a lot of, like, natural chemistry going on between the characters, I it's guess. It's all very awkward. It's very awkward. Yeah. Which is highly entertaining. Which I don't <laughs> think any r- romance between Dewey and someone else would not be awkward. That's true. That character is just automatically But I awkward. think with this one, it's, like, a lot of them arguing for good reason and Dewey calling her out for saying horrible things about Hannah Snape in her book but then they just like end up starting to get it on in like a movie theater or like well, the, in the classroom in the, cl- in yeah, the classroom in the class with the VCR yeah which leads to which a is very set up like a movie theater yeah auditorium well because they're classes. in the yeah in the the cinema the building. cinema building yes my building yes your building <sighs> you would have been in that class with uh I Mickey would've... and Randy <laughs> and Cece Mickey would have murdered me because, I mean, you look back at the first argument they have in that class, and the only reason he kills Cece is because he, she's the one calling him out. Yeah. So. About blaming the movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. He was, you know, intimidated by a girl. Yeah. And so he had to kill her. Yep. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Gail and Dewey. Gail Dewey and ends Dewey. up getting stabbed again. That is okay. So the suspense in this film compared to the first film is so high mm-hmm. and all of the little like chase scenes and running away. And as I mentioned to you before, if I'm if I have to go through that and hide and run and everything that Gil has to do from Ghostface, I'm just going to fight and we're just going to see how it ends because that looked exhausting. You just want to go mano just, and mano from yes, the beginning? Just watching that whole scene where she's like hiding and going in and out of all the different classrooms. Uh-huh. It's a lot. That's a long scene. It's a lot of cardio. It's a lot of cardio. <laughs> but I, the problem with that scene is that the whole time she's just running. She's not looking for anything to defend herself. Mm-hmm. And that's what annoys the crap out of me. Because Gail is always like, she's like dubbed the the badass she's the one who really helped sydney in the first one Mm -hmm. she found all the weapons she got the gun and all this stuff in the first one yeah and now she's just running she's not even looking for i don't know a stick or something i don't know something Mm -hmm. some kind of equipment to use against him she's just running and it's one of the most annoying scenes to me Mm -hmm. because of that yeah and because it's it's such a long scene yeah well even from the beginning when she starts running i was like the pacing seems not correct like i feel like ghostface would have caught up with her by now yeah so that part confused confuses me watching it like wait you just walked and then she has all those locked doors and there just seems to be many obstacles but yeah i feel like there's a little bit of fight out of gail Mm -hmm. in this one she doesn't seem as badass which i think they gave more of that badass read of sydney which i'm down for but yeah you know like why you don't need a you you can have more badassery instead of just one of them I think so. But yeah, that whole that whole part she just is very much trying to hide and fight and get through any little cracks that she can. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't really come up with a plan like we've seen her before. Yeah. She's just kind of stuck. Mhm. Uh Dewey never comes up with a plan. So that's just a bad combo in that scene. I think when he fell down the stairs, I was done with him. Yeah, so <laughs> before the before the chase even starts, he falls down the stairs. Yeah. When nobody's chasing him yet. No. It's just one of those moments where you're like, Dewey, why? How do you survive? I, right? How do you out of why, everyone why survive? Why do you survive and Randy doesn't? Yeah. What yeah. is going on? So not fair. Okay. Um, I do really like the setup of having just all the multiple corridors, which are so confusing, mm-hmm. and then having 
uh, Gail and Dewey on other on opposite sides of like the soundproof mirror. Yeah, I do like that setup and like her watching Ghostface attack him. I think that that was is really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, just adds like an extra layer, and then Gail's protected, but has to kind of witness everything and see everything happening. Um, and of course, we find out later that Dewey's fine anyway. But <laughs> well, I think that's another thing about characters like Gail is that. In order for them to change, they have to see something absolutely terrible mm-hmm. that actually does change them. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I guess it's kind of like BS because it's like, oh, she was a strong female. And so this is how she has to go through something terrible to kind of soften up mm-hmm. or whatever. Like it's a little stereotype there. But yeah. at the same t- time, Gail was also kind of an asshole. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that there's a lot you could criticize Scream for for pitting pitting the whole like strong career-driven female versus like the soft emotional like caring female I think that they really don't do well with that in terms of Gail because in the first movie she comes across as like cold-hearted and only cares about her career and is super driven and kind of like takes advantage of Dewey and his feelings for her in order to further herself um which you know isn't completely right but she is very focused and dedicated and like even at the end, like, she gets the story and she reports on what happened after everything she's been through. And that's, like, a super admirable career woman. Um, but then this one, they have the whole the whole arc and transformation of her has to do with the fact that she's questioning if it was worth kind of betraying everybody for her career, which is a good question. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, some morals with that. But ultimately, she kind of throws away her career for Dewey. And so that... that part doesn't sit completely right with me like i feel like she could have been both she could have been compassionate career woman i think so so but that part i think is very subject of the times and like the the whole outlook on journalists of them having to be kind of emotionless and cold-hearted to get the story yeah i think they really fall into that trope and then they really bring that out with gail and it just her being a female makes it worse yeah it would be interesting if the role was reversed in terms of gender like if Gail was if Gail was Greg. the if Gail was the cop, <laughs> oh, and Dewey was the reporter. Yeah, that would be interesting. Oh, I would like that. Mm-hmm. I, would I like mean, I think that. it would cause more problems with the predatory nature of Gail mm-hmm. in Sydney. I think that would become more problematic, and we need to be like more thoroughly analyzed. They'd figure that out, though. Yeah. But we I could think, write that. I think there would be an interesting <laughs> take on the incompetence of Dewey's character if it was Gail, because yeah. then it would be like more of a gender discussion instead of like. He's just goofy. <laughs> Which is why everyone's like, yeah, Dewey's incompetent. And you know, him falling down the stairs makes me kind of agree. Just a little. Just a little. Yeah. I think that that, that part is very interesting. And I, I like their characters and I love what they are in the franchise. But I don't think that 2 is the best light for both of them. Do they get better? I feel like they do. I feel okay. like they do. Um, I mean, I personally like them the most, I think, in 1. Maybe 1 and 4. But I feel like two is just, it's a lot of, like, fan service in a way, I guess. Okay. And, like, not a lot of, at least character development that I really like, personally. (laughs) Personally. Personally. Okay. Yes, but. And then, I like in this one we get more of Cotton. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that he has the red herring, but he's a dick. He is a dick. I I like it because I feel like you know we're meant to at first feel a little sorry for him because he was put away well because he's innocent essentially 
for that murder. But I think we realized throughout this whole movie that, yeah, he was innocent of murder, but that doesn't mean he wasn't a really sketch guy. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make him a good guy. Mm -hmm. So I like that we got to see that throughout the entire the entire film, basically. Yeah. And I, I his whole interaction with Sydney and how much he thinks that she owes him because she thought that he was the one who killed her mom. Like, dude, she, she went through traumatic yeah. stuff. Like, it's not her fault that you were in, like, the wrong place at the wrong time and somebody else framed you. Mm-hmm. and everything matched up. So I think that that part is really interesting, and it's it's just good to have that character that you can hate throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And, I mean, he is a very cliche red herring, and I like that they, but I like that they don't spend so much time on him being a red It's herring. very subtle. It's very subtle, yeah. and it's like, they know that you're going to automatically assume that because he has the perfect motive mm-hmm. of revenge, and he's very explicit about that. And so just him being there is a good add-in. I agree. Mm -hmm. I think that the cops weren't as... Well, no, they were. So the local cops were very involved in this one. I feel like they felt... They felt at first more like they knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And then we quickly realized that they don't because of the two guys who were assigned to Sydney aren't exactly the best of the best. Not at all. So I think... Those cops led to my favorite kill of this movie, though. Yeah, yeah. So when when the cop dies because he's hanging on top of the car. Yeah, I so think. they have the, they're taking Sydney and yes. her best friend away. Um, to somewhere safe. Somewhere safe. Somewhere we don't safe. know where. To an undisclosed location. And um, the two cops are uh, driving and they get into... They're at a stoplight, right? Are they at a stoplight? I think so. They stopped for some reason. Why can't I remember? I can't either. But they they stopped. The car is stopped. The car is stopped. Um, (laughs) And then Ghostface comes out of nowhere, um, slits the one guy's throat. Breaks breaks the window. window. Slits his throat. He has very strong hands, Ghostface. I I don't see. Brass knuckles? Maybe. (laughs) Who knows? Um, But then one cop actually, like, well, he drags the cop out and they... Um, they get into a they get into a fist fight, mm-hmm. um, which Ghostface is actually winning his first fist fight. Ghostface is usually very bad. That is a win for combat. him. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Ghostface ends up getting away from him, takes over the car, starts driving, but the cop, uh, gets up and takes out his gun, which is a good step <laughs> for the cops because they usually don't make it that far. And then aims it at Ghostface, but Ghostface starts driving. He ends up on the hood of the car, and then Ghostface crashes it. Mm-hmm. to get rid of the cop and to kind of the cop doesn't shoot at Ghostface. Yes, that was a shame. That was That would have been the one thing that he could have done. Surprise. <laughs> for a cop. Yeah. 90s were slightly different times? Yeah. Different times in the 90s. Yep. Maybe because Ghostface the mask was white. <laughs> Perhaps. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Too much? Oh, Sorry. I think that's just enough. <laughs> I think that. But he doesn't shoot into the car at yeah. all, which is what you think he would do or at least attempt to do. Yeah. Um, and then cops? I don't know. They were old. That's They were old. Second careers. <laughs> but so my whole thing is that um, Ghostface drives the car through like the construction site and he purposely starts to hit like all these little shitty cones that mm-hmm. are doing nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> to get the cop off mm-hmm. the hood. Mm-hmm. And then finally they just run into the place where they're storing all of the metal poles Mm -hmm. and it just impales the cop yeah and it's 
really brutal and yeah. there's twitching the twitching always before. gets me it was yeah I, it made me slightly uncomfortable and i liked it mm-hmm. which is yeah 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 i think much better better death sequences in this one much more creative yes than the first mm-hmm. but um i think was that was the minor what, characters yeah and i think that was supposed to be like the equivalent of the garage death because mm-hmm. i can't think mm-hmm. of any other death in this one that is so that is as effective as that one is mm-hmm. the cc one's pretty good though yeah but quick. it's very fast very quick yes. that's the thing mm-hmm. Whereas um, the, in the first one, the garage door death is very, it's, it's a lot longer. Yeah. It's, it's a, a longer sequence. Yeah. And I think that was truer with this cop one yeah. than it was with Cece. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Kind of a shame that they wasted it on a cop who I don't even remember his name. Don't know the difference. I don't think we between, knew his name. I think she mentioned it once, but not as, Im- obviously not, very not as important, very minor characters. And the fact that like this character got a, like a very interesting death sequence and Randy got so little. I, okay, Randy. but the idea that he uh, Ghostface was in the van was cool to me. Yeah, but could have been switched. Like, could have been used differently, you know? I, we Randy deserved better. Randy we just know. deserved better yeah. in general. Yeah. These are my gripes. We're going to make those shirts. Yep. Yeah. Yes. No one's going to know what we're talking about, of course, yeah. because it was so long ago. <laughs> like, um, still talking but then we'll be like, listen to our now. podcast. You'll get it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think another thing that we were talking about, too, is this movie does a lot of, like, set up for stuff and then completely forgets it yes so at the beginning when gail and dewey are at the police station and they're going over the first victims she connects the names to the names of the original mm-hmm. um victims from woodsboro right mm-hmm. woodsboro mm-hmm. um and then you never hear of that like copycat connection again yeah so it's so you're thinking that oh it's a copycat serial killer and mm-hmm. then no and they, they just kind completely drop that. Out. Yeah. Yeah, they introduce it and then never bring it up again. Which, I was like, is it just, like, a bad through line that they didn't completely connect in terms of writing? Or was that supposed to be part of the commentary on sequels? But if it was, they should have at least, like, addressed it again. Yeah. But... So, I mean, that or it was just another something to lead us in the wrong direction. Yeah. But it felt so... It just is weird Explained. because it's never <laughs> addressed again. Never. Or, like, dealt with nothing with the next victims. I mean, I guess the next one after CC is Randy, right? Yeah, we go a while without a kill. Yeah. There's quite a bit of a lull. There's yeah. a few attacks or attempts, but not anything that goes through. So, I mean, I guess then it's, like, then we're at kind of the climax and it's going very rapid from there, but... It just feels very strange that they never address it again. Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of like, why did you even include that scene if it's never followed up? Yeah. Ever. So we get to the main, the main scene, the climax. The climax. Scene so my, Sydney. my number one problem with that climax. Yes. So. I still, how the hell does she know to go to the theater? Because it's in her soul. Yeah. Damn. That's not good it's enough, Brittany. I don't, it's that's in a good her question. soul. Okay, well, her being, like, an actress is a whole new thing. That was introduced, yeah. Which I don't know why. (laughs) Well, and then if you realize, like, the play that they're working on is that one Greek tragedy, Agamemnon, Agamemnon. I I can't can't pronounce things. But, yeah, it's one of those Greek tragedies. (laughs) And, like, it's all about the the main heroine. Like, that's... Yeah, Yeah. being cursed Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, like, commentary again on Sydney as our main heroine and she's basically cursed to mm-hmm. be followed by a bunch of 
asshole people her entire life and have to fight ghost face. Yeah, yeah. But I just, yeah, it was just very random. It was really random. And then that random pep talk from her theater teacher or professor. Yeah, it, it was, was never named. It, that was very random. <laughs> but I guess it's like the closest. I guess he'd be like the Henry Wrinkler. Winkler. Why did I say Wrinkler? <laughs> Winkler character. The principal character of this, I guess. Maybe. Maybe. But... I don't know. He's like an adult looking out for there were a few people they introduced and you think they're going to be like these pivotal important characters and they're at least killed yeah and they just maybe there is like in the b cut in the b cut what am i saying what i don't know in the in the (laughs) in in the director's cut maybe i can't words aren't coming out correctly it sounded good until i thought about it It i'm not a film major i don't know these terms randy would be upset with me (laughs) Ask me literary terms and I can do those. You can't. There's foreshadowing. <laughs> okay, I okay English, not Greek tragedy. I don't teach Greek. Okay. Oh, you don't cover the Greek tragedy. No, we don't cover There's Agamemnon no. or whatever. You know, I randomly thought of the Odyssey this week. Why would you do that? I don't know. It's awful. I was I'm driving sorry. and I was. I don't. I I'm not. I lo- I like the Odyssey actually. Oh, you know why? Marilyn Manson just did a cover of The End by The Doors. Oh, yes. How how did that make you think of The Odyssey? Okay. Well, The End, like, there's a very weird verse in there Mm -hmm. that Jim Morrison wrote Mm -hmm. um, that talks about, you know, um, killing your father and sleeping with your mother. Okay. Not in those terms. Uh Uh-huh. But, I mean, it's it's basically the the Oedipal complex. Oedipus? Yes. Yes. There you go. Ha ha. The Oedipus, he, uh-huh. it's basically the Oedipus complex, mm-hmm. and people thought Jim Morrison was a weirdo, but that's... Yeah, that's very Freudian. A, that's, well, that's a piece of that Odyssey. song. Isn't that... Isn't he the one who, like, uh-uh. marries his mom by accident? Mm-mm. Who the hell marries his mom by accident? Oedipus. I, I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm mixing up my Greeks. There's definitely mother issues <laughs> in there, too. Well, I don't know. It's about... I don't... It's It's about that, and it made me think of... It's connected somehow, Brittany. No, there's definitely mother issues. You're fine. Well, anyways, that's, all those, that's all those why I was thinking about those. Issues, there you worry. go. That's why I was thinking about Greek tragedies. Yeah. Speaking this of mommy week, issues, because, because Marilyn Manson. Yes. Anyways. <laughs> you're fine. See, I said B cut, and you corrected me because you're a film person. And then you, you know, Oedipus Odyssey. You know, I just mix shit up. Me too. Greeks. Okay. No, I'm so sorry. That was me. That was wrong. I mean, Greek tragedies. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> sorry, let's bring it back. <laughs> yes. Anyway. <laughs> Sydney is an actress. Sydney is an in actress. In this film. Yeah. Um, and so she goes to the theater, because that's what you do when a murderer is coming after you. I wish that there was something that told us why she went there. Because but there's not. Yeah, because right before then is when her best friend is murdered. And she just kind of runs off. Yeah, and we're, we direction. cut away. And she, ends, she happens to end up at the same theater where... Um, her boyfriend's uh, fraternity brothers have strung him up on mm-hmm. a star mm-hmm. on set. I wonder, though, because we don't see, like, that exchange happening. I wonder, is it them who do- who does it? Or does Mickey take him? And everyone's drunk. Cause, like, and if Mickey, who's his friend, who was there for the bad sing-along and clapped along, that's loyalty. <laughs> so maybe, like, he just took them from there. Or did they do it? I think they did it, because okay. during that whole party scene when they're, like, pouring booze on him, he's already mm-hmm. tied up. Yeah. So maybe they just left him there. Because that's where that set is. Is it? Yeah, because okay. that's the set of her play or whatever. Because mm-hmm. it's very, like, 
it's it's, it's a, a weird, weird sequence. Bit. Yeah, it's a very weird bit. Yeah, you yeah. don't get a lot of answers in that one. You're just yeah. asked to play along. Yeah, it's yeah. Like okay, then I don't. Is this <laughs> that's hazing? I believe that part, but so he's all like strung up and me i really like what they did with mickey of him manipulating sydney in this situation yeah and like really playing on all of that and it's just i mean it's very sad to see like how you really see the impact of what happened in the first movie really playing out with her and her mental state and how she reacts to Derek. mickey yes so i i think his delivery was Mm -hmm. what really did it yeah he plays crazy very well just like um matthew lillard exactly Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, he plays it very, very well, and he manipulates her mm-hmm. effectively. That you see that he's like very much studied this case. He he knows everything like inside and out about yeah. the entire case. And I think if it hadn't been somebody who was friends with them and like close to it, if he was just truly like, there's a lot of criticism we can get into about him being such a minor character and turning out to be the killer. But I think if it was that he was such a separate character, like not in their friend group and didn't hang out with them, it wouldn't be as believable in the way that he can manipulate Sydney in that moment of believing that Derek was a part of it. I don't think that there's a problem with him being as a minor character Mm -hmm. as he was because I think this one focused more on they've already been through this. So now let's focus on what they're doing and how they're reacting. And he's there subtly everywhere. Mm -hmm. So... Like you said, it makes sense. He's a part of their friend group. He's a part of their lives. At the beginning, Dewey's like, it's someone that you already know. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be your best friend or your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. It could just be your other random friend mm-hmm. that's there and has worked his way into your life. Mm-hmm. So that that makes sense to me. I actually, I I liked that more Yeah. than it being so on the nose for her. Yeah, because I don't know who else it could have been without it being an obvious character like cotton or her boyfriend yeah i mean it could have been like a girl like one of her her best friend i forget her friend's name i forget her friend's name also but i mean it could have been but i feel like this just made more sense like what i liked about his character is that he wasn't just some random guy he was there to do this yeah like miss loomis found him trained him paid for his college tuition just so he can go insert himself into their lives yeah so I, I love that whole backstory. Yeah, their strategy. Yeah. And I think that him being, I think he's, like, very similar to the killers in the first one, like we talked about. Like, he has knowledge of the movies, and he has mm-hmm. all of that knowledge, and it plays against Randy very well. Just, like, those great scenes with um, Billy and Stu and Randy in the in the um, video store in the first one. Mm-hmm. And you see him like that in, you know, their lecture hall and with all those conversations. But... I mean, I know some people are mad about him being that character, and even with, like, Mrs. Loomis not being Mrs. Loomis for the whole movie, but I think that's the better twist. I mean, you wouldn't want to know she's Mrs. Loomis. Yeah. You want her to be Debbie Salt mm-hmm. and just be, like, crazy obsessed with Gail. I don't think there's ever a time when you, like, suspect her, mm-hmm. and I think that makes it even an even better reveal. Yeah. That you don't suspect her, you just think she's just another annoying reporter that's mm-hmm. kind of basically giving Gail a taste of her own medicine. Mm-hmm. So that's what she seems like the entire movie. Yeah. 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 But so I don't think that there would have been like a better, better option no. for who the killers are. I don't think so. I couldn't think of it. Yeah. If it was her best friend, I wouldn't believe that because she, that character 
she's good for what she is, but she's not dynamic. She's not a three-dimensional character. She's just very much no. there to be Sydney's friend and to take her to the sorority. I mean, maybe they could make the sorority girls. Well, I think she is also. <laughs> I, <laughs> just I randomly. Like, just randomly. How dare girls. you not? Uh, you, you didn't pledge to Sigma Kappa Apple Pie. So you. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Is that not what they're called? <laughs> Apple Pie. Not all sororities are bad. Some of them do great philanthropic work, and yes. I appreciate those. These are not them, though. But yeah, so she's not as dimensional, so I, I would dislike that reveal. And if it was Cotton, it would be very played out. That would be too obvious. It'd be too obvious. Yeah. If it was her boyfriend, there was something that they could do with that, but again, I think it'd be too obvious because of him, because of the Billy of it all. Yeah. So I like what they did of like the fake-out reveals, like, he's working with me, sissy, and then... He gets killed. Poor Derek. Derek was a good guy all along. He was. He was a sweetheart. He gave her his letters and everything. Got beard of the face in the name of love. <laughs> beard of the face. He sang very badly in front of everybody, which was really awkward. That was a really he had awkward very bad taste in singing clothes. session. But <laughs> did you think he, he has bad taste in clothes? Uh, I'm so preppy. Nineties college prep. But, uh, you, what do you? I know. Sydney should have been with like, somebody who was into grunge. That's all I'm I, saying. So I agree. I like, expected a grunge boyfriend. Like, she is so hot. <laughs> and he is like a Ken doll. Like, he's just very, like, I don't know, very Ken doll-like. He's, he's, he's conventionally attractive. That That's true. All right. Final thoughts on um, the film? I think that it is a very good sequel that stands up to the legacy of the first one and is unique in its own way. I think it's one of the only sequels that I actually enjoy mm -hmm. and like. Mm -hmm. And I actually like it better than the first one. I do. Oh. Yeah. Close for me. They I think, off. yeah. Well, I think for this one, like I said, the first one was very campy, mm -hmm. and this one wasn't as much. Yeah. And I think I appreciate that about horror films. Mm -hmm. I like something that does make me jump or something that I don't see coming. Yeah. Um, but I also don't know if that's because I remember the first one a lot compared yeah. to this one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But I like it. I think it's a good sequel. And hopefully we can watch the other ones. Yeah, I definitely want you to watch three and four to get your reaction. Since I you have haven't to. I watched didn't, them. I haven't. I didn't realize there were that many. Mm -hmm. Yes. And they recently announced that they are they are going to do another Scream. We don't know if it will be a continuation of the Sydney story, if it's a reboot, or if it's what it's really going to be, a remake. Um, there is the Scream TV show, which I've never, I haven't watched that. You didn't watch it? I didn't, no. How come? Um... Because it wasn't it wasn't the Sydney story, I wasn't super interested in it. Okay. And at least for the first, or I think first or first and second season, they even, like, changed the original mask. So it's, like, based off of, I think because of, like, copyright and stuff like that. MTV did the first two seasons, and I think the third one was just released on Netflix. Something like that. Oh. Not exactly sure. Um, but... I think because of licensing and stuff, and also to try to set it apart, they changed the mask, but it has the same whodunit kind of aspects of the story, which is why mm -hmm. they kept it in the Scream, um, as part of the Scream franchise, and labeled it as that, but um, I don't really consider it to be part of the <laughs> franchise. Like you don't that. acknowledge that one? Yeah, and I have heard <laughs> um, not great things about it. Okay. But, um... Well, for the reboot, what do you want it to... Do you want it to be a reboot, or do you want it to be a continuation? I would rather it be a continuation. Is there room for that? Because how many... There's four, right? Yeah, there's four. Do you think there's more they can do with it? I think that they could do a handoff. 
which is what I think they wanted to do with four. Okay. Um, but I and I think that four came out I think in twenty ten or twenty eleven around that time mm-hmm. when I don't think four was as commercial. Like right now we're in a huge resurgent thanks in great part to it. Yes. Where a lot of people are way more into horror than they have been in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that now, especially because, like, it is kind of a reboot of, you know, everyone knows that there's the miniseries. So even though it's very, very different than the miniseries, it's still, like, it's a take on a 90s thing. So I think with that is maybe why that they're leaning towards why they're bringing Scream back. But the thing is, is that Wes Craven is no longer here. Yeah. And R.I.P. Yeah. And so that is taken out. And the writer who wrote all of them except for three which you will see the differences okay we watch three all right um isn't signed on yet to do the Mm. new one so and we don't know anything about original cast or anything to give us more insight into if it will be a remake a reboot if it will involve the sydney story or anything like that but um i don't know i don't know what they're going to do and i don't know what is the right thing to do i don't want to remake for sure i think it's you know, like, if you want to, you either do it with the original cast, make it some sort of hand off the baton thing, mm-hmm. um, and do something different with it, or you do it with acknowledgement that that franchise exists, mm-hmm. and create a new story, but I don't want another Sidney Prescott. Like, Nev Campbell is Sidney Prescott. I'm excited, though. I'm hopeful. Is, cautiously hopeful is there any news of when they're gonna start production or no anything? none of that it just came out like i think two weeks ago ish what that they're in talk oh that is really early it's very soon yeah very very recent but um yeah nothing in terms of details about what it is or the big thing is if kevin williamson signs on or not mm-hmm. that is okay. going to make or break a lot of things because you will see when we watch three that there's a definite Difference. change in voice he comes back for four he comes back for four okay Oh, uh, Wes Craven was there for all of it, though, which, you know, Wes Craven is a great horror director. And, I know. But I think that there are some really good people who could do it justice. Okay. So. All right. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Okay. What if, throwing this out here, just because we talked about him recently, what if Jordan Peele did a scream? I think he would be really good because he's really good at that kind of commentary. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, in Get Out, his commentary was subtle. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if he needed to be more on the nose and open um, the way that Scream is, mm-hmm. I think he would be really good at it. What if actually. the commentary – I just had this idea because we were talking about it. What if the commentary is about diversity and horror, like more explicitly? Oh, well, then that would have to be – that would have to be a reboot because then they would have to make Sydney black or someone of color. But what if it Don't was just think? a continuation? I think they could do it without it being... So, okay, that would be a handoff then. I could see that being a handoff. handoff. Or just, like, I mean, they could go all, like, meta where they know that Scream exists and then, like, Scream exists as a movie franchise in their universe. And then... Well, why wouldn't it just be the Stab franchise? They could. You know? You you need to watch four. Oh, my God. You need to watch four. Okay. But, I don't know. (laughs) That could be interesting. He's very good at commentary. That would be interesting. Okay. And he's good at infusing co- some comedy into it. <sighs> so many possibilities. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to listen, f- watch out for that news then. Mm-hmm. Oh, I am watching. Are you watching? Yeah. I'm so interested. <laughs> I just want Nev Campbell back. You just want Nev? I love her so much. <laughs> oh, between Scream and um, The Craft. 
which is also getting oh which is also getting how do you how how do we feel about that i know because the craft is so quintessential 90s it looks so 90s i just listen the craft yes just just leave nev alone leave nev alone let her keep her iconic characters i think i think i'm very weary just because i know when the charmed reboot was starting everyone was like had really high hopes but i hear it's it's not has that come out? Yes. Okay, I have not and watched it's it not, for a reason. Um, good. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't want to just say, oh, it's not good, it's horrible, but it's just not, it just doesn't have the same impact as the original. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when it comes to remakes, like I said, I think we're all really tired of them. Mm-hmm. So if it's, there are just a lot of high expectations, and if you don't hit them, then sorry, we're not going to like it. Yeah. Um, and I think the craft, like you said, is such, I feel like so many people love their craft and it has such a huge mm-hmm. cult following Yeah, that it's, that's why it's being judged so harshly already. Well, I think part of it, and I heard this as a very good criticism for if they're going to can just continue the story of Scream, like what's the point? Mm-hmm. Because we're so lacking in original iconic material right now. Like when was the last iconic serial killer movie? Or, like, iconic, mur- you know, like, yeah. mass murder. You know, we don't have a Freddy or Jason or a Ghostface for, like, this past 20 years. We don't have any. Like, maybe the closest is, like, Sam from Trick or Treat is iconic, but that's more cultish than. Yeah, I don't know a lot of people that know. Yeah, Trick I or mean, treat. a lot of people yeah. might recognize that character as being like, oh, yeah, I've seen him in Halloween Child Kills as well. Yeah. But it's not as popular of a movie, and you have, like, very popular horror movies like get out but there's not like a iconic character from it Mm -hmm. and so if they're gonna just continue scream why not come up with a more because it's not the the concept itself redacted isn't very original it's just kind of with what they do with it so why not make it something a little bit more unique a lot of things to consider yeah we'll see what they do they'll do whatever makes the most money though we can count (sighs) them out like Frozen 2? Frozen oh 2. Let it go. I got Let drunk go. and saw that this weekend, you guys. Thoughts. And um, I have thoughts. Did you like it? If you're going in as just a, yay, it's another Disney movie, it's it's really cute. Um, but if you're also a super judgmental person like I am when it comes to be to children's films for some reason you mean if you're a, f- a film major if I'm a film major yeah not <laughs> I feel so obnoxious yeah. if, you're, if you're if you're really judgmental I was like trying I am not to say that I know but the if you're very judgmental just I mean you give yourself very little credibility like just giving yourself sorry if you're credit. a film major it just makes it sound like that you're just mean and not that like you are just very interested in the in the craft <laughs> It's like, dang, it's not that you're judgmental, it's just that you know stuff. If you, like, I, even if you're an actor or just any aspect of storytelling, even if you're just a writer in general, um, that movie is very clearly a money grab. And, I mean, what do you expect? It's Pixar and it's Disney. And there are really cute aspects of it, don't get me wrong, but it's not necessary to the story at all. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I mean, take your kids to see it, for sure, but... There is like an '80s uh, rock ballad that takes place, and that's a. Uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it, and people are like, "Yeah, why?" '80s rock ballad. Now they're trying to catch it. And toxic mas- too. masculinity, and I'm like, "Yeah, but oh, I that saw was, that part. 
Did you see on that? Twitter. Yeah. Well, I didn't see what it was about, but I saw that they were like, look at this person talking about his feelings. And I was like, okay. That's cool. Mm. That's cool. I mean, I guess if you want to give it that credit, but I hated that There's scene. better <laughs> ways to do it. There are. Uh, I did want to say that um, I wanted to dedicate this episode to my nana, Rosie, who passed away two years ago on Friday, the day that we are releasing this episode. Mm. Um, and I think she'd be really excited because we're just this humble little podcast, but I think the idea of us being on iTunes would really excite her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to dedicate it to her and also to just people in general who kind of grieve during the holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just would like to say that you're not alone and it's mm-hmm. okay to grieve, mm-hmm. even if the person who passed passed a really long time ago. There's no, um, you know, specific time frame for you to grieve. So, yeah. And it's rough yeah. around the holidays. It is. It's rough for people around the holidays. Mm-hmm. So yep. just wanted to dedicate this episode to you guys yep. and growls and mm-hmm. however you identify. Mm-hmm. Part. <laughs> howdy partners. I don't know. Howdy, howdy partners? I don't Where did know. that come from? I was thinking Toy Story 4. <laughs> but yes, this is uh, for you. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah. Uh, you're not alone. Yeah. And I actually thought of a cool little idea mm-hmm. if I can pitch that to you on air okay while we're <laughs> uh, i was thinking um since that we're not the only ones who have lost someone and holidays might be rough mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we could actually do a mini-sode where people send in l- email us um little stories and fun memories of the people that they've lost yeah and we'll read them and share some of our own yeah. as well yeah because everyone each of us spooky bitch has lost at least one person yeah i feel like that's kind of a part of being a spooky bitch yeah you're just like well <laughs> death is around me <laughs> but it would just be like i mean the whole point of this podcast is to connect with people um that we can't necessarily see in person mm-hmm. so i thought you know if you're having a rough time and you just want to kind of curl up and listen to everyone's memories and be there in solidarity then mm-hmm. you can email us um a quick little story or anything a memory of whoever you've lost yeah. even if it's multiple people yeah. and or how you uh how you celebrate them during the holidays yeah or if you're like me and you don't acknowledge your feelings during the holidays we're gonna work on that yeah we're working on that uh, <laughs> <laughs> but if you would like to participate i thought that would be really cool and since we are about connecting and um with our spooky community with our spooky community yes mm-hmm. thank mm-hmm. you um since we're all about that that this could be a way another way that we can connect and just another something for us to mm-hmm listen to mm-hmm. over the holidays love it so that we know that mm-hmm. we're not alone yep the yeah. dark side of the holidays yeah, yeah exactly it's important we acknowledge that mm-hmm. <laughs> send us an email send us your little um story an anecdote whatever you want um about whoever you've lost and or how you're celebrating them this holiday season and go ahead and email those to the spooky pod at gmail.com um dip we'll do an episode and if we get even more we'll do two but mm-hmm. it'll be a few uh mm-hmm. little yeah. mini episodes over the holiday yeah. if you guys are interested if not then that's fine mm-hmm. we we're just very emotional spooky bees so we really are <laughs> we're, we're here for mental health i think if isla were here she'd have a really great inspiring speech as well yes. but unfortunately she's not with us today um because she's doing something because <laughs> she's doing something yes she is here that sounded she- like a euphemism <laughs> she is here um in spirit because she's doing something in another place in the world 
I just, she's alive. She's alive is what we're trying to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. She's going to listen to this and be like, wow. <laughs> I don't show up for one and you guys kill me off. She's like, I missed one episode. <laughs> okay. So, yes. Um, send us your memories and the way you celebrate. Yeah. And um, maybe if you have better advice than uh, we do. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're open to advice. Yeah, you know? yeah. If you are a veteran of uh, the grieving during the season, yeah, send us tips. If you're mm-hmm. a pro, mm-hmm. we'd love to hear them. Yep, yeah, yeah. We'll share them always. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for listening, everyone, and remember, stay spooky and uh, watch Scream Two and Three and Four. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bye.